this. City Heights United Methodist Church. Uh, I'm Pastor David. Bev Elrod is our liturgist today. Stephanie Kelly is doing our children's moment. We're all very thankful to be worshiping with you here in this space online and by radio this morning. Hope everyone had a had a beautiful week as uh, the, the school season is winding down and perhaps some summer leisure is beginning. Uh, but we're glad you've chosen to be in this space this morning. I have a few things to share with you, so make mental note of some upcoming opportunities. Uh, next week, Memorial Day Sunday, we'll be finishing this sermon series about places that Jesus keeps showing up after the resurrection. So we'll be thinking about the ascension story as he flies off next week. Now, I wanted to give you a week's preparation. I will not be here, but I will be here next week. So what that means is I have, I have invited a number of folks to be in the pulpit for me without success 
So I have something very special planned for you in terms of a message for next week without me physically being in the space. So prepare yourself for that unique opportunity uh, once in a lifetime, perhaps. All right. Anyways, that'll be next Sunday. Uh, June 5th is Pentecost, and we have a tradition here of celebrating with a, a, a Sunday full of music. Look at that. We've even got a fancy graphic for it as well. So uh, we're excited about a number of things that Luke has prepared, assuming we can get Luke healthy uh, to be with us, because Luke is a little ill today and is not with us today, but we're hoping by the 5th he'll be strong and ready to go. And then June the 12th, we'll be recognizing our graduates, so that'll be a special opportunity throughout that service. So looking forward to those things. I did want to give you a little update on uh, another university construction project within the building. I mentioned this uh, in the newsletter and I think in worship uh, over a month ago. Uh, the university is renovating the, the old Salom room, Shalom classroom, which has been utilized for guitar and music lessons the last couple years. So it's, it's been primarily a university space, uh, but it's being renovated to become more of a conference style room that both the church and the school will be able to use. It's right outside of kind of the reading area, the archives up on the second floor. So that project will begin June the 6th. Um, we've only received a little bit of information in terms of some drawings. So I don't know, and Kurt, maybe you know, how much like dust type of work to expect from that. I don't think it's the level of remodel that we saw out here, but I just wanted to alert you that that's happening up on the second floor starting on June June the 6th and hopefully finishing before the end of the summer so it can be utilized by both the church and the school into the fall. So uh, we'll, we'll give you as much information as we have once we receive it from them. Uh, my only other note is uh, we are having uh, a version of an, another rendition of Sensational Saturday on June the 12th and that is a start time at 4 o'clock. Is that right? Yes. Special four o'clock, so uh, have your ears ready for that information coming soon. Wonderful. Great, again, to be with you this morning. I invite you to share the peace with those around you as we prepare for worship today. Has it, been, has it been a busy week for you, anxious in any way? Here we are, sitting back in this place of worship, ready to receive God's Spirit to rest upon us. 
Uh, let us pray. Lord God, we are grateful for this, this time of Sabbath, Sabbath rest. Focus our attention on you and the good word you have to speak to us. Refresh our weary bodies, our labored souls. Give us a spirit of new life. Rejuvenation in Jesus' name so that we might be ready and receptive to hear the invitation that you have for us. Be with us in this time of worship as we lift our praise, as we voice our love and commitment to you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please stand for the call to worship and remain standing through the singing of the uh, Gloria Patri. Welcome today to the house of God where you will find nourishment for your spirits. Welcome today to the place of encouragement and healing love. We seek to be one in love and one in worship. 
Welcome today to the place of sending forth with hearts confident of your mission. We seek to be one in love and one in worship. Let us praise the God of justice, mercy, and love. We will be one in love and one in worship as children of eternity. Join me in singing our hymn of praise, Father, we have heard you calling, number 3150.
creator God, saving God, comforter God, speak to us, we are listening. Reveal to us, we are watching. Teach us, our hearts are open. Pause, our lives are ready for service. Do it again, Lord. Rush into this place. Recreate us. Redeem us. Send us. Make us one in mission to all the world. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join me in the affirmation of faith, number 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Listen to God's word. The epistle lesson today comes from 1 Peter 3, 13 through 18. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be intimidated, but in your hearts Sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For God, Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to put you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Thank you. 
Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Today, his message to us remains the same. Proclaim the good news to every tribe and to every nation. Lift up the broken. Bring hope to the lost. Set free the captives. Become my hands and feet. And surely I am with you always through the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And we welcome the children for this time of children's sermon. Good morning, boys and girls. How are you? Good. How many of you know the song Baby Shark? I, don't, I think there's some people that don't know. Can we just sing the first verse? Just the first verse? I'll start. Baby shark, do, 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 do. Baby shark, do, 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 do. Baby shark, do, 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 do. Baby shark. And then it goes on and sings mama shark, daddy shark, grandma shark, all the way through. Well, did you ever wonder how you came to know about that song? It was started in South Korea. Um, a, uh, children's education channel like Disney Channel or Nickelodeon um, published that song on YouTube and it went viral which means it spread all around the world people shared the video with their friends and then they shared the video with their friends and they shared the video with their friends till now it is the most watched video on YouTube over 10 billion views more people than watched the Super Bowl the World Cup the Olympics and today's sermon all added together. <laughs> all added together. Baby Shark. It went viral. Well, when I was listening to the scripture lesson to me or today, it, it reminded me of things going viral and that what Jesus was telling the disciples to go and spread the love of God, um, he was wanting the love of God to go viral, but he didn't have YouTube to post things to at that time, right? He had to just tell his disciples and they went to different countries and different parts of the world and they told people and those people told people and Christianity spread. So I thought we would try a little ex experiment here in church today with that, okay? Um, and it's going to take participation of the congregation, so pay attention and listen, everyone. 
All right, each of you are going to go out into the congregation and tell two people, just two, that God, you're going to say, God loves you, okay, to two people, all right? And then you're going to come back up here, and we're going to watch. And if a child tells you that God loves you, you're going to stand up and turn to two more people and say, God loves you. And then those people are going to stand up, and we'll see how long it takes for it to spread through the whole congregation, okay? And if any of you want to go with your big brother, big sister, that's fine if you don't want to do it by yourself. So each of you get up and go tell two people and say, God loves you, and then come back up here and we'll watch. You can say it loud, everybody. You don't have to whisper. <laughs> Come back up here. Oh, Olivia's going way out in the narthex. Look at this. Look how many people are standing up. You're on a small island off the coast of Greece. Oh, here comes somebody. Yep, you have to stand up. Do we have everybody standing? That didn't take long at all, did it? All right, you can sit back down. They're all just going to talk and do their own thing there. <laughs> yeah. So that was an example of how we made God's love go viral this morning in church by just telling two people, and that gets shared, and that gets shared. And that's what, that's what God wants us to do. Okay? So can you say a prayer with me? Repeat after me. Dear Lord... Help us to spread your love all over the world. Amen. Thank Maybe the chaos isn't new. Endless war, expanding threats, devastating illness, all of it terrifying, all of it piling up. But one thing has changed. It's never been easier to take it all in, to see the chaos unfold in real time while only barely being touched by it. It's never been more possible to be of the world without really being in it. Will those of us who worship Christ stand at the water's edge, wishing for the lost to be warmed and fed? Or will we spend our lives in worship by becoming the living sacrifices who stop hoping the chaos won't reach us and start carrying the hope of the gospel. 
to those already drowning. Maybe it's time to go. It's okay to be comfortable, isn't it, uh, once in a while? You should come and check out the new little uh, sweet little sitting area in the office. Uh, Christy just put this chair together yesterday, so I thought I'd use it in the sermon. Why not? It's comfortable. You know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld has this uh, great routine about being seated. He says, have you ever noticed how the human body was made to sit? You know, it just... It just bends in just the right spot to fit in a chair, right? Uh, and your behind, it's like a cushion growing out of your body. So it's a great sign that we were, were gradually evolving into a seat. You know, of, as primitive beings, we crawled on the ground, and then we hunched over, and then we learned how to stand upright, and then we came to our senses and sat back down again. <laughs> Do any of you have a favorite chair at your house? Yeah? Isn't it irritating when someone asks you to get out of that chair? Hypothetically speaking, Cindy might say, David, can you help me in the kitchen? And I say to myself, but I'm in my chair. What do you need? Well, you know, help with the dinner, empty the dishwasher, help Anna with her homework, anything to help with the running of the family. And my response, of course, is, but I'm in my chair. <laughs> Famous Danish furniture designer Hans Wegner once remarked, a chair is only finished when someone sits in it. Can I get an amen? Yes. There we go. Nowadays, your chair can practically do everything for you. Am I right? Some of them recline and can be like a bed for you. Some of them have little pockets so you can put snacks and drinks and a book. Some of them have heat and massage. Some of them even have ways to plug in your phone to your chair. I'm thinking if they could just invent a way to bathe in your chair, you would never have to leave. The whole life cycle, just sleep and eat and play Wordle and watch TV and ignore the world, right? What else do you need? It's all there in your chair. The problem at my house is we only have one chair. I mean, we have more than one chair, but when it's movie night, and we all want to find that comfortable spot. There's only the chair. I mean, you can sleep on the couch and risk having Anna's feet in your ear or on your lap or something like that. Or you can stretch out in the chair. And if you talk to Cindy, she might say that David tends to be the only one who ever sits in the chair. But here in the house of God, I wanted to make it very clear that is untrue. Our dogs sometimes get there before I do. And so I'm not the only one in the chair. 
I've been wondering, as I've sat comfortably up here, and some of you are admiring my chair, would worship attendance improve if we just had a few more comfy chairs in the sanctuary? I'm not talking about folding chairs. I'm talking about the Easy Boy Pinnacle Platinum Power Lift Recliner with massage and heat. Heaven for the hind end, right? I mean, that chair would probably even shake you and alert you when the sermon's over so you could wake up and be ready to go for coffee. Some of you are daydreaming about that possibility. There's just one problem, other than the fact that those chairs run about 3,300 apiece. Jesus doesn't agree with Seinfeld. We're not made for sitting. Jesus says we need to get up and go. So let us pray about that. Gracious God, we thank you for uh, the gift of your holy word and its challenge to us. And we pray that we would be receptive to your voice and to the call that you have upon us, that we might interpret it, that we might apply it to where we are, to where we sit, that we might find the courage and the clarity to go in your name. Amen. According to Matthew's Gospel, Mary Magdalene and another Mary went early to the tomb on Easter morning, only to be met by God's angel who was there perched and lounging on the rock that was previously sealing off Jesus' burial place. The angel told them, Jesus has been raised, and they need to hurry quickly to Galilee to see him. So unlike Luke's gospel, where the disciples stayed huddled in the upper room, presumably lounging on the couch, here in Matthew's gospel, they are to run ahead to the farming and fishing country to the north, to be on the move, and to assemble on a mountain, which I can think of as the polar opposite of being in your recliner, is being asked to climb a mountain. Which mountain are they to go to? Your guess is as good as mine. It doesn't mention, could it be the mountain of transfiguration? The place where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount? The place where Jesus fed thousands atop the mountain? The place where Jesus went alone to pray? on the mountain. We're not quite sure, but we do get the message that whenever Jesus has a powerful message to give, a significant teaching or calling, it happens on the mountain and it's about to happen again. So Jesus arrives amongst the disciples and unlike the moment just a few days before where he remained quiet before Pilate, now Jesus speaks with power. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Not that he has to see it. The disciples can see it with their own eyes. He's been raised from the dead. God's power is obviously victorious. This miracle on display makes them confident. Everything Jesus has said is true. And they know that they are going forward into Jesus' reign, which is widening. This is no longer just the king of the Jews, a regional savior. This is the king of the world. And his life 
giving presents will change, impact everyone. They've got to listen to him. His words carry enormous weight, directing the lives of those who follow him. And Jesus says to them, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Few lines from Scripture are as quotable as these, the great commission. The disciples, Jesus' students, can now redeem their whole school experience if they can do this assignment well. And we know, up to this point, they have mediocre grades at best. If you think about it, they didn't understand Jesus' lessons all that often. They got upset when some of the students forgot their lunch and they had to share a couple of the students were caught fighting over who gets to sit next to the teacher. Three of them fell asleep in class. Do you remember that? Then when class got hard, they all bolted faster than you can say Ferris Bueller's day off. And one of them said he never even enrolled in the class. I don't even know the teacher. Now, however, these students can become leaders by stepping into this responsibility. Only it's the most ludicrous ask ever. They are to leave their familiar seat and go to faraway foreign places, launching a worldwide mission across terrifying terrain and into unfamiliar context. Does Jesus even remember who these guys are? Eleven Jews, an oppressed minority, Suspicious of others, culturally informed to avoid people who are different, who now have to learn how to put the gospel into the thought patterns of Gentiles, men who are going to have to connect with and open doors to women, Hebrew and Aramaic speakers who now must master a multitude of languages, rural fishermen who have to go into cosmopolitan areas and talk to people of power, Grown men connecting with the spiritual questions of children. And they're not just passing out flyers to come to the next chicken sale, chicken dinner. They are to make disciples this less glamorous work of building community, staying for a while, fostering relationship, helping others to become good students of Jesus as they sought to be, only this Jesus, whom they are proclaiming, was just declared an outlaw and executed by the Roman Empire. But they must witness their faith to him and be patient, waiting for opportunities to baptize these strangers into God's family and welcome them into this kinship with blessing and mercy, showing hospitality and grace people are completely unfamiliar with. And then they must teach these new followers everything that Jesus said. Did I mention the disciples were not great students? Can you see James looking at his brother John like, like someone who missed class and hopes that his friend took notes? Were you listening? What did Jesus say on what day? Well, between the time we left Dad's boat and that day on the cross, anything in there do you remember? 
We all know that a good Cokesbury curriculum helps lead us. These guys didn't even have the New Testament, let alone creeds of faith that will come hundreds of years later. They make up the lesson plan on their own. And so with excitement, the Savior says, get off your body cushions and let's go turn this world around. Some of the students were overwhelmed with joy. They fell to their knees. They hopped up to their feet. They praised him. They glorified him. They said, we will be obedient and give our best to complete this mission you have for us. But, Matthew says, some of the students, the disciples, they doubted. Not a surprise to me. I mean, seeing someone come back to life is unusual enough. And now the challenge and lunacy of this assignment? Unreal. Can't be done. And yet here we are in 2022, the proven legacy of this first class of students and their success to Christ's commission with every generation that followed them. The same mandate of Jesus was given, shared, passed on, an imperative, a priority for what it meant to be his follower. 2,000 years of individuals refusing to be sitters, but rather goers or movers or shakers, proclaimers, tellers, explainers, teachers, servers. They must have been inspired, empowered, carried maybe, beyond their natural ability. That spoken word of Jesus saying, I will be with you always. Where do you think you fall? Are you one of those that's really overjoyed? He's risen. This is an opportunity to serve Christ. Are you staggering, a bit overwhelmed by what is explained here in the Great Commission? Are you silently laughing your head off because who is Jesus to think that you could be involved in something like that? Do you think Christ's commission is still for us today? It's pretty comfortable in our seat. Uh, often we might prefer that other fellow believers who are a bit more outgoing, more able, in more places of persuasion, they can handle that testimony invitation piece. But what does it look like for you in your current situation? to get out of your seat. To witness the faith can be daunting in any season of life. I mean, what do you say? How do you make Christ's reflection relevant today? How do we present the truth of God's love to people who are saying, don't push your truth on me? I've been thinking particularly about that word go and how it might apply to, to us within this space. You know, someone who's Working full-time, overburdened by a busy schedule, little flexibility. What does it mean to go? How do you go to make disciples when the priority right now is caring for an older parent or a spouse that's weakening? What might it mean to go for those who are experiencing some form of physical limitation? 
for those who don't go out into the world that much because you no longer drive. Because your grown children say, Mom, Dad, don't go out so much. How do we make Christ's commission part of our identity? Where we are. I wish I could answer that question for you. Part of our faith journey, part of our learning, our walk of obedience, is wrestling, is discerning with how we enact that mandate. It's a fundamental, after all, of following Jesus. The witness for each of us sounds, it looks different. But the truth is the Great Commission has no expiration. We, no long, we can no, no longer graduate from it. Christ's imperative to unseat ourselves was experienced by the older adult Abraham, the young teenager Jeremiah, the stuttering Moses, the shrimpy David, the outsider Ruth, and the powerful Esther. We can always find a reason to sit down, but God calls each of us to stand up. Richard Rohr shares this story about a unique encounter he had with a student of Jesus who was up and out of his chair. Years ago, he visited a uh, Franciscan who lived in New Mexico. This fellow spent most of his life working with Native Americans, who he had a heart for. But when Richard met him, he was already late in his 80s. He was bent over, and he would walk the streets in downtown Gallup, New Mexico, with his sandals and his brown robe on, and carrying his cane, and he would lift his bent head to greet everyone with the words of St. Francis, good morning, good people. On his cane was strung a, a string of battery-powered Christmas lights. Now, to anyone out of town, they might think, that guy's a little bit weird. Walking around town in his sandals and his robe with Christmas lights on his cane in the middle of the summer. And so one day, Richard asked him, Father, why do you put those blinking lights on your cane? And he cocked his head up and looked at him grinning, and he said, you know, it makes for good conversation. See, you're talking to me right now. Everybody comes up and asks me about them. And I'm able to talk to them about all kinds of things, including the joy of my life in Christ, all because of my lights. Now, is he a fool, <laughs> maybe a holy fool, in the final stages of his full human journey? But he's up and out of his seat with a message to share. So before you run down the mountain with the disciples, hide from such a call before you shrug off this moment as just a message for someone else, before you submit yourself to your chaise lounge at home, entertain for a moment the Holy Spirit with you, the living presence of Christ who keeps coming around and sees in you exclusive experiences and abilities that will make God's love come alive. Through you, whatever time you have, whatever conversation you have to offer, story to tell, another person could discover the peace and hope that is Jesus. This witness happens 
in this way, writes Frederick Buechner in a room called Remember. We have it in us to be Christ to each other, and maybe in some unimaginable way to God too. We have it in us to work miracles of love and healing as well as to have them worked on us. We have it in us to bless with him and forgive with him and heal with him and once in a while to grieve with some measure of his grief and to rejoice with some measure of his rejoicing. And who knows, but in the end, by God's mercy, the two stories of ours and Jesus will converge for good and for all. And though we would never have had the courage or the faith or the wit to die for him any more than we really have managed to live for him very well either, his story will come true in us at last. But in the meantime, on this side of paradise, it's our business to speak with our heart, to bear witness to, to live out of, to live forward, to live by this true word of his holy story as it seeks to stammer itself through the stories of us all. Will we find the courage to unplug from that voice that says, please remain seated, to embrace the angel's chorus, to get moving for the glory of God. So in the way that you can, with the best that you can, get out of your seat and stop sitting around. It's time to go. Thanks be to God. sing this hymn with us.
loving and gracious God. We glorify you for your amazing love that you gift to us in your care, in your healing, in the strength you give us in trial, in the confidence you fill us that we are not alone. We do praise you, Lord. Beyond this hour, we seek to praise you with all of our living. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings we receive each day through the faces of caring friends, through the brightness of spring coming to life, the sound of cherished song, for words that speak from your great book. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. We read in scripture, Lord, how our names are written into your book of life. That you see us, that you know us, that you have great plans in store for us. Awaken us, Lord, to the vision you have. A vision that includes our ability to share stories. To speak with and live with others in ways that reflect you. That may very well lead to questions about why faith is important to us. We pray, Lord, for the courage, for the clarity to be able to share that story in a way that is effective for your growing kingdom, in a way that respects others but also speaks of your joy. Give us understanding, Lord, what your great commission means for us today. Perhaps, Lord, it means being present to those within our community who are hurting. We certainly connect with them by, by prayer, Lord. We are praying for the healing of Joanne Hannon. We are praying for your strength, for your healing possibilities to be in the life of Jan Thomas. We continue to pray with although he's growing stronger every day, Mark Barhan and his shoulder. And for others within our community, Lord, that you know are facing difficulty. Perhaps it's the same every day. Perhaps it's something new knocking them down for the first time. Lord, we ask for you to help us surround those who are grieving with care. As we continue to support the Barkley family and the Garibrandt family. Lord, help us to have an open mind and open hearts for those grieving in other places. Woundedness within our own cities and neighborhoods. Violence within our country or our world. Places where folks are impoverished without food and medical care. Help us to sense how our great commission of making disciples and sharing your love can impact these hurting places. We believe, Lord, that you have not given up on us. You walk with us until our days here are complete and then you walk with us into our new home. So we pray, Lord, that that walk remains fruitful for you. 
that in all things your name is glorified, pronounced, proclaimed. It is in Jesus' name that we pray today the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we enter into our time of musical offering, I've invited Amy Walls to share a mission moment on behalf of Bibbs, which has been the recipient of our Loose Change offering uh, here in the month of May. And so Amy's going to speak a little bit about the great ministry Bibbs is doing and how those offerings are used. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, uh, let me tell you that there are lots of folks in this church that help out with bibs, volunteer, shop, um, do a number of things for us. I could never do this alone. So if all of those who uh, have volunteered in the past and are volunteering presently would stand for us, please, and if you would just uh, offer them a thank you, look around, see who these people are, and... If you have questions about bibs afterwards, they can help. Thank you very much. Okay, bibs uh, stands for Better Indie Babies. It was started about 30 years ago in 1991 when some United Methodist women in our church uh, had heard about the very high infant mortality rate during the 80s. At one point, that rate was 14.2 deaths per thousand live births. Um, and they wanted to know what they could do to help. So they contacted HealthNet, uh, Healthy Families and their Better Indie Babies program at that time, and spoke to them and found out that if moms could get some good nutritional food while they're expecting, but then also continue that food and baby items, diapers, clothes, things like that, once that child is born, then they would uh, have less stress, better health, better outcomes for these babies. And this has helped. As of 2019, that infant death rate was 6.5 per thousand births, so cut in half. It has risen a little bit this past year in 2020 it was 7.4 but still down considerably um, bibs pantry is for underserved central indiana area families of newborn babies and those expecting babies we've always served families with uh, infants up to 12 months of age i've been asked recently by healthy family staff if we could possibly raise that to uh, families with babies 24 months of age. We're gonna give it a trial, we're gonna see, Bibbs is a small pantry, but uh, we're gonna see what we can do. Our numbers dropped off 
considerably during the pandemic. We were able to stay open and help people, but it was all done on an email, get food and items ready, and then delivery method. Healthy families would come pick that up and deliver it to the families. But they are starting to pick up again, so any help you can give is appreciated. If you would um, like to learn more about bibs, see me. I'm afraid that the brochures that you can click on on our website haven't been updated in about three years, but I'm working on that. So um, let me see. We had in um, 2006, bibs filled 868 referrals that uh, was down uh, considerably last year. We th that was also when we served families of children up to four years old. So uh, we have, we normally run about 400 to 500 referrals per year. Last year it was 256. Um, I think a few reasons for that. Part of it is that during the pandemic, a lot more folks were reaching out to those in need, and uh, perhaps Bibb's Pantry always being there wasn't, uh, wasn't quite as needed with all this extra help, but we're seeing folks come back. So uh, thank you so much for supporting us. Oh, I did want to let you know that over the past 30 years, um, Bibb's has filled over 14,000 referrals. That's for food, we do uh, shelf-stable groceries, also fresh food vouchers that they can take to a local grocery and uh, get food, hygiene kits, newborn layettes, diapers, baby clothes, and a number of other items. So thank you so much. Your help is greatly appreciated. All those quarters and nickels and dimes and pennies go and add up together and help a lot. Thank you very much. for Bibbs and its ministry and those who served it. May we also open our hearts, particularly to those families that are struggling to find formula at this time, praying for those children and praying for that industry to resume in a way that uh, those children can be cared for. So thank you again for the Bibbs ministry. Uh, now let us reflect on today's service and this time of musical offering.
Dear Heavenly Father, as we bring our tithes and offerings this morning, we also bring to you grateful hearts for the many, many, many ways that you have blessed us, both materially and spiritually. And we ask that help us to use these gifts to ensure your mission to us is fulfilled to make disciples of all peoples in this world. Amen. Join us in singing our last hymn for today, our hymn of celebration and, and the summons. You'll find those words on your screen. Let us sing together. Thank you. 
Well, friends, it's time to go. I mean, literally, the service is over. It's time to go. But I hope that you'll go forth knowing Christ's presence moves with you always. And it does so in order for you to be a witness to the world of what Christ has done for you. Blessings and peace in his name. Amen. Yeah, go ahead.